Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We're uh, on a new day. Yes. Thursday at 2. Or close to 2. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. And, yes. um, you know, you can always hear this on iTunes and on the website uh, archive. We are broadcasting from two shipping containers in Bushwick, Brooklyn, located next to Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street. And there is still, um, on top of this container, a garden that produces food for the restaurant. I'm Carmen DeVito. And I'm Alice Marcus Krieg. And we are the gardeners, garden designers, and ladies of Groundworks, Inc. We design and build gardens in and around New York City. And this show, We Dig Plants, aims to bring the culture to horticulture. Now, Alice, I have a trivia question for you. (laughs) Okay. Do you know what I was doing almost exactly two months ago to the day? I have no idea. I was rescuing squashes. Let me elaborate. It was August 26th, the day before Hurricane Irene Uh. was going to slam into New York and wreak its devastation on our city. (laughs) Everyone was getting ready, filling sandbags, tying down their outdoor furniture, loading up on batteries and water. And on that day, my husband Robin and I were helping my mom cut down her giant prize squashes before the storm. Of course, we also helped remove her furniture and all the other possible flying objects around her house. I harvested my corn. Yeah. (laughs) But my mom's first priority was making sure that those squashes, which subsequently won her several blue ribbons, did not fall off the pergola that they were growing on. Sure. Now, I didn't get it at the time. I was like, my dad's in the hospital recovering from surgery. A storm of epic proportions is headed our way, like potentially endangering many lives or at least flooding our homes. And she was worried about squashes, Alice. Well, today we're going to talk about the insanity of squashes and pumpkins and gourds. Um, And we have an amazing guest who wrote a fantastic book. Susan Warren is our guest, and the book's title is Backyard Giants. And uh, it's all about competitive vegetable growers, particularly pumpkins, and their drive to grow the biggest pumpkins at all costs. Welcome, Susan. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. So how many seeds are in a pumpkin, Susan? Oh, that varies quite a bit. And it's, it's, it is a, a question that every grower anticipates when they crack, out their po- uh, crack open their pumpkin. It can be quite valuable, each seed. So they hope for hundreds. Um, they might have three or four hundred. They might just have a handful. Some of them don't always mature. Some of them go bad. It's really uh, uh, the great unknown when that pumpkin is still all sealed up. Exactly. I know, and that's what I found so interesting in the book when I read it. I had read that some of the seeds go for $400 or more, and that's and you just don't know if that seed's going to germinate or not. To me, it seemed like it was tulip mania, you know, 17th century tulip mania all over again. Well, you know, um, 
it's not just a seed, of course. Right. It's, it's the promise of, of, of glory. It's the yeah. promise of, of uh, an entire year of, of hard work and labor and, and, and accomplishing a dream. So this, the seeds that are most valuable are the ones that contain the prime genetics that they hope will um, help them accomplish their goal. Right. It, it was really fun in the book to read um, uh, about just all the different um, seed kind of genetics and the strains and, you know, which were more profitable than others and the 1068 versus the 1248 or. And know. it was also very suggestive, I thought. Um, <laughs> when I was reading it, I was like, this is a book about pumpkins. And, you know, they're talking about, and then he exposes the male, you know, part. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> So tell us about that process a little bit. Tell our listeners about the killer cross, how they do that, how the growers do that. Right. Well, um, you know, to get to get a pumpkin, you have to have sex. Um, it's the birds and the bees, right? Uh-huh. Um, that's how we're all made, and it works no differently for plants. Um, with a pumpkin, you do have very distinct male and female flowers. You'll see this on your squashes, on your gourds. Um, and it's a process of pollinating the female with the pollen from the male. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the giant pumpkins, of course, the bigger they get, the more, shall we say, life-size they become. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be very uh, almost erotic to watch these guys pollinate their pumpkins. Right. And, and, and of course, it generates a tremendous amount of uh, humor sure. um, <laughs> as, they, as they do this. Um, but they, it's it's a process that is key to the entire season. If they don't get that uh, pumpkin pollinated, then it's, they're not going to have a pumpkin. And it has to be a very controlled process. They can't let the birds or the bees into the garden to do this for them, like nature usually takes care of it. Yeah. Not not with their pumpkins. They have to know exactly what genetics are going, and they cross different plants. And that's where you get the idea of a killer cross. It's If you have a plant that you know is going to produce a pumpkin that's really, really large, but maybe it has a big cavity inside of it, which means it'll be lighter. Because in the world of competitive growing for pumpkins, it's not just literally the size, it's the weight. And that's yeah. the most definitive measure that they go by. So they're not only looking for the immensity of the vegetable, they're looking for, and this, they're fruits, by the way, right. but... Um, they're not only looking for the immensity of it, they're looking for the density. And so um, you might cross a very large growing fruit with a very densely growing fruit with a smaller cavity and thicker flesh. So they're always looking for the ways to get their pumpkins bigger and heavier. So let's talk about, um, the book was written in 2007, right? But let's talk... Is that yes. right? Susan? It was the 2006 growing season. Okay, okay. right, and then it, it came out in 2007. Correct. But, but since then, in the book, the you know the prized weight was 1,400 pounds, I believe. They were aiming for 1,500. Aiming right? for 1,500, but now they're up yeah. to 2,000. Is that right? They haven't quite cracked 2,000. That's going to be a big day when they get to, that's a ton. Right. That's the one-ton pumpkin. It's, it's, it seemed, just 10 years ago, it seemed beyond the imagination that they could get a pumpkin to weigh one ton. Um, when I wrote the book, it, the, the, the real stretch goal was 1,500 pounds. A three-quarter ton pumpkin right. was the goal. Um, and 
it is amazing how these amateur gardeners have been so successful with crossing and breeding these plants and and all the different techniques that they use um, to cultivate them and to, and to make the pumpkin grow larger. Um, I know. I was fascinated. You could write a book about it. Yeah. <laughs> there are I... <laughs> so many different things that they do with, with yeah. these plants to get the pumpkins large that they succeed in adding 50, 100 pounds every year to that total. This year, I will say, um, without giving away the specific outcome of the growers in, the, in my book, the, um, the goal then was 1,500. This year, they had 35 pumpkins come in over 1,500 pounds, and the top one was, uh, I believe, 1818. 1818. So, That's amazing. Getting so, close, yes. but not there yet. So let's talk a little bit about just the logistics of of growing the pumpkin and then getting it to the competition because that was that was fascinating to me and I think it would probably be interesting to our listeners too. Well, um, growing the pumpkin starts with germinating the seed and uh, getting that seed that you might have paid hundreds of dollars for, for its prime genetics, getting it to sprout. Um, there's uh, many different methods for sprouting your seeds, right. getting it into the ground, preparing the soil. Mm-hmm. These guys are, go berserk over just planting out and testing their soil and adding supplements to the soil, minerals, and making sure the acidity is at the correct level. Everything has to be perfect for this pumpkin. Right, and which kinds um, of compost they're using, and everybody's got their own kind of secret method. <laughs> yeah, yes, of yeah. course, manure is the gold standard. Right. And so the, ki- the different kinds of manure are as infinite as the kinds of animals that produce it. Right, there was chicken um, versus pig versus, you know... One guy swore by mink manure mink. because he lived next to a fur farm. Okay. Um, <laughs> So there's everyone has their like special recipe that that they that they right. think is the magic bullet for them, but they're really just going. It's a chemical analysis, and uh-huh. so it's actually very scientific. And and these guys are are amateur scientists in the garden. Um, once you get the soil right, once you get that pumpkin growing, these things are huge. The, not only is the pumpkin that they grow big, but the plants themselves are gigantic to support that growth. Right. And so you have leaves at a, in a mature plant that are as large as an elephant ear, and and of course hundreds of leaves. The um, the size of the plant itself is going to be larger than your average New York apartment. It's going to be a thousand square feet, fifteen hundred square feet per if you're really plant. growing them large. Right. Per and they plant. don't grow very many of them. I mean, the what I was reading in the book, Susan, most people grow between three. I mean, between three and ten pumpkins, right? Three to ten plants. Um, for competition, right? And then pick the one that obviously they ant- anticipate is going to be the biggest, right? Yes, exactly. And so you're investing a lot because each plant is only going to support one pumpkin. And you might pollinate two or three, and then you're eyeballing that pumpkin and saying, which one is going right. to be my prize winner? And then you're picking which off one is the smaller come out the ones so that it puts the energy into the larger one. And, and those pumpkins need a lot of water and nutrients. I mean, they suck that soil dry, don't they? Absolutely, absolutely. They, they, there are, again, differing techniques on watering. Some people swear by watering every day. Some want the soil to dry out in between. But it's no question just um, many, many, many gallons of water every day on each plant. Um, to, I mean, pumpkins are made up of a lot of moisture. 
the danger um, with doing this is that the pumpkins will actually grow too fast. It's very easy for pumpkins at their prime growth period in late July, early August, to put on 30 or 40 pounds a day. I know. As one... As one I, grower told me, how would you feel if you were putting on 34 or I'm 40 pounds I'm pregnant right now, and I, you know, I'm gaining, what, a half a pound a week, and that's too much for, you know? This, <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't imagine being a pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, pretty so. astounding, and it's only in five months. I mean, isn't it about five months from germination to um, way off season? Even less. More like three months is the actual growing period. Um, They'll grow, they're pollinating around the early June. I mean, sorry, early July. Wow. They're planting in in May. They're getting that plant mature enough to start supporting pumpkins, and then they get the flowers. Then they pollinate around the 1st of July. And they're growing in July, August, and in September, they're mostly through with the growing. They're, at that point, they're just tending the plant. August is one of the most dramatic periods in the garden for these growers. Um, it's when their plants, uh, their pumpkins explode mm-hmm. because they're growing so fast. They'll walk out and they'll be cracked open. Right. Um, Heartbreaking. It's when all kinds of problems, it's the prime point for disease. They have poured on so much fertilizer and fungicide and chemicals and water onto these plants. A big thunderstorm literally can make the difference um, in your season because a tremendous amount of water all at once can make them literally absorb too much and explode. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, and that is a bad day in the garden. Yeah, especially because of all the, the money and the time and the resources you've put in. However, if you win, you there are some big fat prizes, not only fat pumpkins, but there are some big fat prizes to be had, right? $250,000, etc.? Well, in some cases, you know, that's really not why they do it. Sure, they love to get some of their investment back. Right. Um, but it depends. You know, you can take a pumpkin. Um, I think you're allowed one way off per pumpkin. So they strategize on which pumpkin they'll take off, take, take a pumpkin to. Um, and then there's many, many uh way off scattered around New England and and the West Coast we're in the prime growing territory. It's really a sort of northern half of the US right. that is supports the competitive pumpkins. Below that you don't you don't have the right growing conditions right. to get the really giant, the real giants. And so um you can if you grow ten pumpkins, you go to ten way offs. But you know you're not gonna win every one of those. No, and, no. Um and the money is you know, a two hundred fifty thousand dollar prize would be quite the exception. It's really maybe a, a, a five thousand or something for a for a really good return. Um, doesn't come close to the investment these guys make. Well, it sounds like they're you know these are like you said they're amateurs. They have you know most of them are full, have full time jobs or you know other life responsibilities. So they're really doing it for the passion of it, not the money. They're just doing it for the the pride. You know, right, and the pa- right, the the love and the passion and the community and camaraderie and friendship that you get from such types of obsessions. <laughs> and I want to talk about this a little bit more. We have to take um, a little bit of a break. You've been listening to We Dig Plants. Come back, and we'll have Susan Warren back to talk more about these backyard giants.
Hi, welcome back to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. You're listening um, to Susan Warren. She's our guest today. We're talking about pumpkins and giant pumpkin growing. Uh, that was a song called Pumpkin Pie by Kid Congo. That's great. And the Pink Monkey Birds. <laughs> um, Carmen, why don't you talk a little bit about Susan um, as a gardener? Well, Susan uh, Warren started out uh, has been a lifelong journalist, starting out in Houston for the Houston Chronicle then working overseas covering the first Persian Gulf War, and then on to the Wall Street Journal for 15 years, where she was a reporter and editor in Dallas covering the oil and natural gas industry. Now Susan divides her time between her work for Bloomberg News in Dallas and her garden. So Susan, how did that translate into a book about giant pumpkins? Um, well, you know, I had the luxury when I was working at the Wall Street Journal of looking around for story ideas, and um, occasionally I would find story ideas in my private life and the things and the experiences of just living my life, and one of the things that I had been trying to do in my garden was grow some gourds, and there had been a cross uh, inadvertently made between um, two plants that I was growing in my own garden. And so I got online and started investigating how this whole pollination thing worked and, and, and crossing gourd plants. And everything I came up with in my searches was all about these giant pumpkins. And I just became fascinated. Um, it doesn't take long to detect um, the, the story behind uh, these pumpkins and the amount of effort and the amount of uh, obsession that these people put into it. And um, it, it, these, these people have day jobs. You know, they're professionals. They're airline pilots. They're country club managers. They're engineers. And then they go home, and they spend hours and hours more in the garden. And I wanted to... Um, I wanted to write about that experience, and there was, it was around Halloween, so who doesn't want to read a story about a pumpkin around exactly. Halloween? right. And right. that's how I first uh, found Ron and Dick Wallace uh, from in Rhode Island, a father and son pair who uh, compete with the giant pumpkins. Yeah, they were really fascinating. I found them, I guess they were kind of the main protagonists in the book, or at least their story sort of was a thread throughout the entire book. Can you yes. tell us a little bit more about their... Um, $250,000 pumpkin patch, as they described it, and their, yeah. like, and their holy grail of pumpkin growing? Well, like most growers, every year is not successful. And they had been trying almost uh, 10, 15 years to get the world record. I mean, that is, that is what these guys want to do. They want to go down in the record books. <laughs> They're very competitive people. Um, they don't just love gardening and enjoy it. They just want to win. You know, they want to be the person who grows the biggest pumpkin the world has ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it made me want to do it, too. It's, the book is infectious. <laughs> and they can, you know, it's yeah. within their reach. Yeah. Um, but year after year, they had... They fell, sometimes they came so close, you know, within 100 pounds of the winter and, and bitter disappointments year after year. And um, I was very moved by Ron and Dick. They had a great relationship, uh, a father and son relationship. Um, they both really supported each other. Um, they, were a, they were a team in the garden um, and how they divided things and shared the work, and yet they each kind of had their own pumpkins that they worked on each year and took possession of in the garden. Um, they just seemed like the perfect vehicle to follow mm -hmm. as they tried yet another year to be the record 
winners. And part of their dream the year I wrote the book was in expanding their garden because they'd had so many failures. Their dirt had become too rich and too um, infested with bacteria. Um, So they were having a lot of pumpkins go down to disease. Mm -hmm. So they needed a new garden, so they bought you know, another another parcel of land, a couple of acres of <laughs> land, right, ad- right, adjacent to their house. It just a little bit of serendipity. They just happened to have this land go on sale, and it was to him the perfect opportunity. Destiny. To expand the it garden. was destiny. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, Susan. Then, like, so, 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 say you've got this, you know, pumpkin that that you think is is worthy of of way off. How do you get it physically to the way off? I I love that part in the book, if you could tell our listeners. Oh, there are so many um, machines that they've developed. In in the early days of the giant pumpkins, um, you had special tarps with handles, and you would just kind of ease the pumpkin over onto the tarp. Now, don't forget, these are fragile. They may weigh more than 1,000 pounds, but they're still, you know, plant flesh, and they can break, they can crack, and once one has, once that skin is broken, they are no longer eligible for the way off. Right. So this is a very delicate process, and one in which they are, you know, very anxiety-producing for the growers. They used to be able to ease it onto a tarp, hand-carry it to the back of their pickup truck, but these things have gotten so darn big yeah. now. A 2,000-pound pumpkin, how are you going to maneuver that? Yeah, yeah it's, it's like building the Great Pyramid. Um, <laughs> you have to get a special um, pulley system to um, a tripod that they erect over the pumpkin, and they have a special harness that fits over uh, the pumpkin and, and like a net that they cinch tight, and then they winch up the pumpkin literally inch by inch off the ground after it's been cut off the vine. And then they bring the truck in underneath it. Um, some growers actually use a tractor to, to come in on, and lift the pumpkin um, onto a, on a pallet and move it onto a truck or a trailer bed. Um, then they have to reinforce it to make sure it's not going to roll or rock or, or hit against the side of anything and break on the way to the way off. Um, and, isn't, and isn't it true, Susan, that um, if there's a whole, the reason they don't accept cracked pumpkins anymore is because people were filling them with water because, as you said, it's not the size, it's the weight. So if they found ones that were cracked... There was potential yeah. that the the person who was competing was filling it with something heavy, like right. water or right. something else. Yes, there have there are stories um, mm-hmm. told about a few people who thought they would kind of improve their their chances at the way off scale There's by a um, bad apple. <laughs> in, <laughs> injecting their pumpkins with a concrete. Bad. You know, the heavier concrete. The <laughs> oh, it made me want to. I, when I was reading the the, the transportation. Um, information in your book I, I wanted to take a Xanax I was so nervous thinking about you know all that time and research and you know Carmen and I are gardeners and and we we install perennials and you know we love to watch them grow that's that's why mm-hmm. we're gardeners and then you know when when something happens to it you're just heartbroken and that's just a flower for us. Well, we so, also yeah. have to talk about, um, we do lift heavy things. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we have to lift trees we, on roofs. We have to move tens of thousands of pounds of soil. And it's really fascinating 
um, to it was really fascinating to read about it. it. Yeah. And also, there's a, there's some great pictures in the book too uh-huh. of, of the process, which I found really. Really interesting. Um, but before the pumpkin even gets to the way off, we talked a little bit about weather, which gardeners, of course, are obsessed about um, when, when so much is at stake. Um, there's all, But you can't do anything much about that. But there's also the um, what you described in the book, Susan, as botanical predators. Can you tell our, our listeners about the San Diego grower who went to some, what I thought were, were some extremes to protect his pumpkins? <laughs> well, um there's lots of things that can go wrong in the garden. Um, there's certainly disease. Um, the pumpkins can be attacked by um, bacteria or fungus. Um, you have chemicals for that, right? So <laughs> they can go out and they spray their plants every week, and they can keep that um, under relatively good control. Uh, there are insects as well, which you attack with pesticides. That You know, a swarm of... Uh, Cucumber beetles, or it could, could, you know, come in overnight and strip your plant. Um, so it's um, an ongoing battle that they wage against different kinds of vermin and fungus. But there's bigger mammals that mm-hmm. they have to worry about too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's deers, there's woodchucks, there's gophers. Often these um, kind of animals like to nibble on the most succulent part of the plant, which is the new growth that creates the baby pumpkins. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you can literally terminate the growth of a plant by nibbling off the end early in the season. Right. And so these guys get homicidal, I guess, um, <laughs> about protecting their plants. They are not going to allow an animal, after all they've invested and in all the time that they've spent, um, to... to Right. End it all for them in, right. in, in the space of 20 minutes. Um, so they, there are different methods. A lot of the growers are tender-hearted. They're nature lovers. They're not just plant lovers. They, they, lo- they care about the animals. They don't want to hurt them. And right. they'll take them away. And they'll trap them and take them away. But sometimes trapping them just isn't practical. Some of the animals are kind of wily, and um, they'll just come there right have been back. growers yeah. who have, you know, tried to to if if trapping has failed them, they've tried to flood out a gopher hole. This is the San Diego <laughs> grower yes. who waged a a war for seven days. It was on an epic scale. He laid in waiting for this pumpkin with a shot with a gun to try to. You know, yeah. shoot it. He, I'm uh, sorry, this was a gopher, <laughs> and he, he, he was, um, he flooded it out several times. He waited with a shovel while someone tried to scare it out so he could pound it to death. I mean, yeah, he I finally that. did get it. I think on his mul- multiple attempts, and he finally drowned it. But it's, yeah. um, the, they they won't stop until they get that animal because the animal could end their season. Sure, yeah. sure. Well, Carmen's dad actually has a funny story of. <laughs> Trapping a squirrel. And many a, squirrels. Many squirrels. And one of those have a heart traps. And then he relocates them. We call it the New York Squirrel Relocation well, Project. Right. But, but what you're not mentioning, Carmen, is that he also spray paints their tails. He does with so different that, colors. So that if they come back, he knows, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, sure enough, it, it, they come he back. He can tell. Yeah. Do they, really? <laughs> oh. Well. These these growers would transport them for miles, but I guess a determined animal that is homing back on its, onto its territory could return. So they take that chance, right? Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, Susan. Um, but thank you so much for joining us and for sharing uh, your book, Backyard Giants, and your love of pumpkins. Truly, you know your 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 uh, 
your explanation is is just as and no trick or treater will ever look at a pumpkin again the yeah. same way. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. The book is amazing. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for sharing it with us. And thanks for listening to Weedic Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks to Jack Inslee for producing and to Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Welcome See back, you in the garden. Guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find find us on Facebook Facebook. and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.